0: Everyone, welcome back to Killer Astrology, the podcast with your host Laura. This is the second to last episode of season one, and for next week's episode, the season finale, I'll be answering some of your questions on the show. Don't forget to send them to me by Thursday, October first, at eleven fifty-nine p.m. Eastern Time. You can email Laura at killerastrologypodcast.com, or you can send me a direct message on Instagram. At Killer Astrology Podcast. Today, we're covering a really complex story. At first glance, this may seem like a tale of jealousy and of lovers' quarrels, but under the surface lies the truth about a family tempted by luxury, blinded by greed, and armed with a notable lack of conscience. This is the story of Evelyn Dick and the steps on her path to murder. Evelyn Dick was born Evelyn McLean in 1922 to her parents, Donald and Alexandra. They were two natives of Scotland who had emigrated to Canada sometime in the early 1900s. They lived in Hamilton, Ontario, an industrial town on Lake Ontario, just southwest of Toronto. Evelyn was their only child, and her childhood wasn't exactly what we would call typical. Evelyn's father was a blue-collar worker with a serious drinking problem. He worked as a railway conductor for the Hamilton Street Railway, but eventually was promoted to another position that allowed him to collect customer fares. Donald was abusive and had a strange relationship with his wife, Alexandra. Sometimes they lived apart, and sometimes they lived together, but regardless of the living arrangement, he always provided for the family. Evelyn and Alexandra always had enough money to survive. But on Donald's salary alone, there wouldn't have been much left over. So, he supplemented his income by tapping into the fares he was collecting for his employer. His talent for embezzlement kept him and his family afloat for years and afforded them a more than comfortable lifestyle. As a child, Evelyn was able to attend prestigious and expensive private schools. She always looked fashionable, dressed in the best clothes, because her mother wouldn't tolerate anything less. Alexandra was very focused on appearances, on fitting in with the upper echelons of society. CBC Radio Canada describes Alexandra McLean as ruthlessly ambitious, a quality she seems to have passed down to her daughter. Alexandra and Donald didn't allow Evelyn to play with the other kids in town, and they paid a high premium to send her to those private schools. As Evelyn got older, Alexandra encouraged her daughter to make herself seen. She and Donald provided Evelyn with the means to host parties for local big shots in order to gain their attention. But the Hamilton area elite didn't fully accept Evelyn or her family onto their team, While they were interested enough to make her acquaintance and attend her lavish gatherings, they didn't see her as one of their own. So after a while, Evelyn had to take things one step further. It wasn't enough to be well-dressed and attractive. She needed to be desired. And the easiest way to do that was through her sexuality. By the time she was a teenager, rumors were circulating about Evelyn and her involvement with older men. Some sources, like the Hamilton Spectator, describe her as a prostitute or an escort, which may have helped her amass her own income as an adult. But even after she became a mother at 21, she was relying on her father for money as needed. It was actually a trip to visit her father at work that brought her into contact with her future husband. John Dick was about 15 years older than Evelyn. He was originally from a small Mennonite community in Russia, but had moved with his family to Canada in 1924 in order to escape the Russian Revolution. He came from humble means. His parents operated a cannery, but he didn't continue the family business. He actually began working as a bus driver as an adult for the same rail company that Donald worked for and stole from. In 1945, Evelyn took a trip to the Hamilton Street Railway to ask her father for money. Alexandra and Donald had just separated and Evelyn had moved in with her mother and her daughter into their own apartment. She was with her daughter Heather when she went to ask her dad for a couple thousand dollars and bumped into John. At their first meeting she introduced herself as Evelyn White, the young widow of an admiral from the United States who had died, presumably very recently, in World War II. Evelyn wasn't really grieving his death, of course, because her freedom-fighting husband didn't actually exist, but John didn't know that. It wasn't long until she and John were in a relationship and engaged to be married. In June of 1945, Evelyn told her mother about the engagement and completely threw her off guard. After all, the couple hadn't been together long, and more than that, John did not fit her image of a high-class provider. Alexandra didn't come to their wedding on October 4th, 1945, and neither did anyone else. But maybe that was for the best, because this was not a happy marriage, or a long-lived one. Before they got married, Evelyn and John had plans to build a house. The idea of having a nice home and a comfortable life was what motivated Evelyn to marry John to begin with. But the building project started to take longer than Evelyn expected, and she became very impatient. So impatient that just two hours after she married John, she went home to her mother and never moved into John's new humble apartment that he had gotten for the two of them. Just five days after her wedding, Evelyn was out with a different man, Bill Behoza, and the two ran into John on the street. An argument ensued, John confronted Evelyn, so she took him aside and claimed that Bill was just a friend. She scolded John for lying about building a house and berated him for being poor. When he eventually left, she then lied to Bill, saying that John was abusive and his temper caused a separation between the two of them. She wound up going home with Bill that night, and their relationship would prove to be an important piece of the story that was about to unfold. On October 31st, 1945, a few weeks after John and Evelyn were married, Evelyn purchased a house on her own, with some help from her father. She moved into the house with her mother and her daughter, not John, and John was upset enough about their separation to seek out Donald McLean and ask for his help. His intention was that Evelyn's dad would help reunite the couple, but the meeting didn't go over smoothly. Donald hadn't been aware that Evelyn and John had gotten married at all, and the meeting went sour really quick. An argument ensued, and John wound up threatening to expose Donald for stealing money from his company. After this, without any help from Evelyn's family, John resorted to using the same threat on Evelyn, to entice her to let him move into their house. John did move in, but the relationship was far from fixed. Instead of trying to patch things up, Evelyn put John through a cruel type of psychological torment, one that kept him up at night. Evelyn and her mother would steal money that John had collected on his bus routes, money that he was supposed to turn into his employer, and this put him in danger of losing his job. Eventually, Evelyn and her mother kicked John out of the house, but he couldn't shake them from his mind. He became distracted at work, sharing details of his personal life with his patrons. In his off time, he started following Evelyn and Bill, who she continued to see regularly, and he became obsessed with their routine, trying to figure out where they were going and what they were doing. Eventually, just five and a half months after his wedding to Evelyn, John told a friend that he wanted a divorce. And three days after that, everything changed. On March 16, 1946, a group of children were hiking in nearby Albion Falls and came across a grotesque site. At first, they thought it was an animal carcass, but they were sorely mistaken. The strange form that they found in the woods was actually the body of a man whose arms, legs, and head had been gruesomely detached. The limbless torso, riddled with bullet holes, belonged to John Dick. And it didn't take long for authorities to suspect that Evelyn had something to do with his death. When the body was found, police went to Evelyn's house and asked her to come down to the station. She went completely willingly on her own accord, and over the course of the next few days, gave 11 different statements to investigators, even though her lawyer had told her to stay quiet. She lied and said that John was a cheater, that he had a lot of enemies, and even that a gang member had been hired to kill him for breaking up a marriage. She also claimed that her boyfriend, Bill, had ultimately done the killing. But it wasn't long before police found evidence that pointed straight at Evelyn and her family, including pieces of bone and teeth in the furnace at Evelyn's house and a thirty-two caliber gun that matched John's gunshot wounds at Donald McLean's house. But the gun wasn't the only troubling item they found at Donald's house. They also came across a locked suitcase, which they were able to open— When they looked inside, they found a burlap sack that was covering a wicker basket. And inside that wicker basket was a cardboard box. And inside that cardboard box were various pieces of clothing marked with Evelyn's name. The clothing was coated in cement, like someone was trying to conceal it. And underneath the mess they found the body of a tiny baby, a boy who had been strangled to death with a string. Evelyn went to trial for the murder of her husband, John, and this baby boy named Peter, who she had given birth to. Evelyn claimed that her boyfriend, Bill, had killed the baby because he found out about him and didn't want the illegitimate child. But hospital records revealed that Bill wasn't involved with Evelyn at the time the baby was born. It was this charge in particular— for manslaughter of her own baby that would keep Evelyn locked away for many years following her trial, but not as many as you may think. Evelyn was given the death sentence when she was convicted of John's murder and Peter's manslaughter in 1946. Her father, Donald, was sentenced to five years in jail for being an accessory to murder as he had helped detach John Dick's limbs. After the trial ended, Evelyn managed to appeal her case with the help of her defense attorney, J.J. Robinette. Robinette brought attention to the fact that Evelyn wasn't properly informed of her charges or her rights when she gave her initial statement to the police. Because of this, she was acquitted in the case of John Dick's murder. Without this charge, she was no longer going to be executed. She was, however, going to serve a life sentence for the manslaughter of her child. But she only served 11 years of that sentence. In 1958, she was released on parole, but secretly. She was given a fake identity, and then she disappeared. To this day, no one knows the whereabouts of Evelyn Dick. If she's still alive, she will be 100 years old this year, and will have spent 62 years of her life living in hiding with a false identity. The shocking story of Evelyn Dick may end here for us all. We may never learn her fate, but we can dig deeper into her life by analyzing her astrology. Let's go there now. Evelyn McLean was born on October 13th, 1920 in Beamsville, Ontario, Canada, birth time unknown. For a while, I was concerned that I didn't have the right birthday for Evelyn. The most reliable sources I found said she was born in 1920, but there were some other sources that said 1922. The Virgo and Capricorn in me was not satisfied living with this uncertainty, so I spent way too long scouring websites like Ancestry.com and Archives.com to figure out which year was accurate. I wound up finding a census document from 1921 with Evelyn's name on it. So that rules out the 1922 birthday, and I'm happy to say we can be secure in the knowledge that she was born in 1920. But I am still in denial that I don't have a birth time for this chart. We're missing so much valuable information without the birth time because we can't generate any angles, the ascendant, the descendant, the IC, or the midheaven. We also can't determine where the houses start and end without a birth time. In this case, maybe more than any other, I think that information is critical to really gaining an intimate knowledge of who Evelyn was and why she did the things she did. I'm really hesitant to even make guesses in this episode because Evelyn was just so shady and I think there's a lot more about her that we don't know. But the fact that Evelyn lived potentially half a century with a false identity makes me wonder if she has a 12th house son. But we just don't know. If you're wondering if I also spent way too much time trying to find Evelyn's birth certificate, you would be right. But I had no luck, I found no birth certificate, I found no birth time, so we have to discuss just the broad basics here. And for that reason, I'm going to keep the discussion relatively brief. We know that Evelyn had a Libra son, which is really quite noticeable when we hear her story. On a superficial level, Libra is concerned with appearances, as Evelyn was. Libra wants to surround itself with beauty and wants to embody that beauty. But who decides what's beautiful? Well, they say that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, or in other words, that you don't know beauty until you see it outside of yourself. Libra is the sign of balance, and in many ways, that means interpersonal balance, balancing the internal with the external, the other. It's where one individual's perspective meets another's perspective. It's my needs versus your needs, my opinions versus your opinions, my version of beauty versus your version of beauty. With her son in Libra, Evelyn was constantly striving to become one of the many beautiful and wealthy people around her. She learned from her mother that being physically attractive, wealthy, and well-connected were all beautiful traits, and she was trying to balance her own image and status with her mother's ideals. As a result, she essentially tried to stand out in order to fit in, a duality which feels distinctly Libran to me. At 19 degrees Libra, Evelyn's Sun is situated exactly 30 degrees away from her Virgo Saturn. A 30 degree separation makes two planets in conjunct, and this aspect is very similar to a quincunx, where the two energies aren't really working together. There's a subconscious conflict between the two. The Sun, the planet that rules the ego, or the identity that a person is working towards, is in an air sign here where ideas are free-flowing and the only boundaries are the container that the air is in. But Saturn, the planet that epitomizes boundaries, is in the earth sign of Virgo, which is much more rigid than Libra. Here we have a person who's striving to embody society's ideals in order to blend in, being contained by Saturn and not understanding why. This in conjunction between the Sun and Saturn is a good explanation for why Evelyn tried so hard, but was always unable to completely fit in with the upper-class crowd. Whenever she got close, Saturn put up a wall, reminding her that she shouldn't go where she's not meant to be. In addition to her Libra Sun and Virgo Saturn, Evelyn had a Scorpio stellium, or set of planets grouped together in one sign, which included her moon, north node, Mercury, and Venus. I always associate Scorpio with a very high level of inner strength, a strength that can be used for good or for evil. The water sign ruled by Pluto is very much in touch with darkness, but it's also very intuitive. It can feel out other people's areas of strength and weakness and use that knowledge while maintaining an air of secrecy. This makes Scorpio capable of manipulation, and Evelyn certainly utilized that power, not just with John Dick, but with many of the other men she met. All of her planets in Scorpio were trying to Pluto in her chart, connecting them even more closely with the planet of mystery, darkness, and death. This connection to Pluto likely made her more comfortable acting as a vehicle of destruction, to put it bluntly. I was curious about Evelyn's connection to John Dick, so I looked at the synastry between her chart and his and noticed a significant relationship between her Scorpio stellium and many of his planets in Gemini. Her Scorpio stellium is quincunx his Gemini stellium, which we know can indicate a subconscious disconnect. But it can also elicit an intense curiosity, since many of us are intrigued by things we don't really understand. This helps me make more sense of John Dick's obsession with Evelyn, beginning when he moved out of her house. As a Gemini, with a huge Gemini stellium including his Sun, Jupiter, Mars, Pluto, Venus, and maybe the Moon, John was trying desperately to figure out someone who embodied an energy that was almost completely foreign to him. His natural Gemini curiosity just couldn't let it go, and it drove him to that unhealthy point of obsession. Who knows, maybe if he had been able to stop obsessing, John would have distanced himself enough from Evelyn to save his life. There's a lot more that I'd like to unpack about Evelyn and John, but I think we'll end here. Next week, we'll do a recap and examine what all of our criminals from Season 1 have in common. I'll also tell you a little bit more about me and answer some of your questions in the episode remember to send them to laura at killerastrologypodcast.com or message at killerastrologypodcast on Instagram. I'm excited to come back for episode 12 next week, but until then, remember, people may lie, but the stars never do. If you liked what you heard today, please share this podcast with your friends and consider leaving a five-star rating. You can follow the podcast on social media using the information in the episode description. Visit my website, killerastrologypodcast.com, for reference information for each episode and more. You can also schedule an astrology reading with me by going to killerastrologypodcast.com slash services.